Well, welcome to this week's episode of Live Transformed, episode number 168. We are Bob and Audrey and Jim. Uh, Bob and we and are Audrey about and Jim. To, and we are about to have a lot of fun and Always. talk about very important things. Absolutely. <laughs> We've been talking the possibilities to probabilities is probably one of the most encouraging statements you can make because all of a sudden you're not depending on just what will be will be by living by default, just wondering, I hope it works this time. Like I love the whole idea of probabilities. Like, yeah, yeah it's probably going to happen. Well, the I- idea, you know, of everyone, you know, just, boy, you're just such a lucky person. I know. You know. How are you so lucky? How do things always turn out for you? Your way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, things aren't going my way, but mm-hmm. boy, it always just seems to go right for you. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's always interesting with people that consider themselves unlucky. Uh, I, I've never met a person that considered themselves unlucky, unlucky that made any correlation between their decisions and their bad luck. That's <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. I, I had this conversation. Oh, I, I'm, I am. It's, it's, I, hash, it's, it's hashtag too, funny, not yeah, funny. Yes, like exactly. it's, it's. I have never gotten so far along in this process of doing these podcasts with you. Jim, of uh, personal responsibility, like it's every day yeah. thing. And then I can look back at my life and think of all the years in my belief systems. I really thought that I had to do something to make a miracle happen. Or I, you know, that those whole, all these kind of things that I wasn't really well, following. Well, just always living in that place of chance. Yep. Right. And not yeah, living that place that of chance where it, it, it might or it might not, and if it doesn't, yep. must have been God's will. Oh my gosh, Bob, you just said it so well. You know, uh, you know, I got a new series that's uh, that'll be that, that actually starts well. By the time this on this 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 comes on, it'll, it'll be out there. Yep. And it's okay. about the it's about the mysteries of the new covenant. And so, ah. you know, one of the one of the one of the questions I put to people, and it, you know, I try to get people. I try to ask people questions, not to prove them wrong, but I try to ask people various questions so they can come to realize the the contradictory beliefs that they have, and, and, mm-hmm. and that way they start understanding. Maybe this is has something to do with why this stuff doesn't work for me. <laughs> yes. But you, know, you know, you ask people, okay, does God ever change? Well, no. God doesn't. God doesn't. God doesn't change. Yeah, and you know, and so you know, I might have a pretty long discussion with them about it. By the way, you know, one of the really mm-hmm. interesting things about and, and, and learning about the new covenant, the first thing you have to learn is what are covenants and why do we have covenants? And as you guys know, you know, we've talked about this a lot. How that the, the church got all crazy on covenants. All this came from Catholicism, you know. And, and you guys used to run into this all the time in marriage counseling because it's like, well, see, yeah. what what goes on between two people is different. It's not a contract. It's a covenant. Well, the only problem with that is the word covenant means contract. (laughs) It is a a legal binding agreement that two people enter into by consent. And it has Mm -hmm. terms and it has provisions. And and so, you know, covenant is just another way of saying it, you you know. Right, 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 right. right. one, One of the reasons you... And we used to talk about this, you know, the three of us. One of the reasons you can't help a lot of people in marriage counseling because is because you, you get some controller that wants to abuse their spouse, and they're like, "Well, we're in a covenant. I can treat you any way I want to, and you can't get out of this." Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> right, right, right. Well, right, in right, actuality, right. 
one one of the main purposes of a covenant is so that you know what you're getting into. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what to expect. You know, all of the gods of the ancient world, um, and, and people don't, again, people don't realize that the gods of the ancient world primarily were Nephilim. They were, they were, mm-hmm. they were fallen angels that were representing themselves as what, what later in Greek mythology became known as demagogues. You know, they were part human, mm-hmm. part God. Right. And so, mm-hmm. so they acted on their whims. And they used mm-hmm. people, and and people were pawns, and and they could make you a promise today and break it tomorrow, and 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 wow. they could you know, they could do anything that they wanted to do, and and the truth is they were bound by nothing other than their own whims, and that and that's what you get that's wow. what you get out of Greek mythology. Well, the problem is wow. the children of Israel applied that concept of the gods to Jehovah. Oh, interesting. That, that, that's why they can. That's why they can never get settled. You know. You know. The, they couldn't have that feeling. Of this is that he's not yeah, going to change, so, or, or or steadfastness. Yeah, and, and see, with the with the with the pagan gods, you had to give sacrifices, and, and to the degree that you were willing to suffer for them, and to the greatness of your sacrifice, which might include sacrificing your children. Or, or, you know, or, uh, you know, some loved one to the degree of the sacrifice you made. That was that was right. the only thing that would persuade them to be kind to you or to not to not destroy you. So you're probably was your probability was in direct relation to how big your sacrifice oh, was. Exactly. So now, you know, okay. when 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 the plagues came on the on, on Egypt, uh, every single plague that came on Egypt was first and foremost to demonstrate that God was superior to all of those gods. Otherwise, they would have never had the courage to leave Egypt. They would always have feared the retaliation of the gods. Right. Yes. And so so God proved this. And by the way, you know, even what happened to Pharaoh with the firstborn, uh, 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 you got to realize Pharaoh was considered a god, and because he was a human there on the throne, he was... He was a really a false Christ, because he was a he was kind of the in body uh, personification uh, of of carrying out the will of the gods in, in the nation, and and what's interesting is that now I don't know if you guys are old enough to remember this superstition, but but there was this superstition that still is around in some cultic areas about about the, how that the seventh son always has a unique gifting. Have you ever heard that? No, oh, yeah. No, in, no. In, in occult circles, if you're the seventh son, you have unique giftings and powers that other people don't have. And if you're the seventh son of the seventh son, you're, you're almost a deity. Oh, wow. Well, wow. Oh, in, in Egypt, it was the firstborn. See, so Pharaoh was the firstborn of the firstborn of the firstborn. And and so the firstborn was the one who was considered to be special, have special anointing, special capabilities, special favor, and, and you know, and, and had that deity-like status. And so that's why there had to be, God had to prove that he was not only greater than all these other gods they couldn't see, but even greater than Pharaoh based on the their law of of, of the firstborn. 
So God demonstrates how powerful he is. He demonstrates you do not right. have to be afraid of these gods. Right. And then before the before the Passover, you know, they were given the what became known as the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Now, the church has traditionally thought of leaven as sin. So you got to get all the sin out. No. You know, that, that's not what leaven is about. Leaven leavens the whole loaf. Leaven, see, God proved his superiority to all these gods. So now we have to root out every belief that we have established about life, about God, about deities. We have to root out all of those beliefs based on the fact that God showed himself superior. And, he, and, and, and all of this is right in conjunction with the feast of the Passover. You know, in, in the Passover, you're supposed to go through your house and find any leaven anywhere in your house. Well, remember in the Hebrew, the, the bet, which is the second letter of the alphabet, represents house or heart. So when you're reading in scripture about the house, about a house, you always have to say, okay, now is this a message about the heart? And that's what he was saying. Interesting. Get these beliefs yes. out of your heart. Now I've proven it, that you don't have to be afraid. Well, the problem was they didn't do that. They didn't, you know, they recognized God's superiority, but they still considered themselves slaves. They still, wow. they still, still wrestled with those. Yeah. Jim, this is beliefs. really good stuff. And so, wow. so they didn't relate to God as Father; they related to right. God as Master. Yeah. Matter of fact, I looked up one time. Then, golly, it's been thirty or forty years ago, so so I don't remember all the de details. But I looked yeah. up every place where the word Father was used, and uh, I think two hundred and twenty-five times. Uh, uh, it was used somewhere around 225 times or something like pretty close to that. Yeah. About 200 yeah. of those were in the New Testament. And in the Old right. Testament, when the word father was used, it was almost always more akin to the word master, not father. And so ah. they saw themselves as slaves and they attributed the attributes of God, the creator, they attribute, attribute it to him the attributes of the pagan gods. And that's why, that's why whenever, whenever God wanted to speak to him, they said, no, Moses, you go, you go talk to him. You know, and just come back, yeah. tell us, just come back and tell us what, what he wants. Because remember, the mentality of a slave is, what do you require of me and how do I keep you from hurting me? That's it. And that was the whole relationship to, to, to these gods. So, <clears throat> so you, know, you know, they come out. And um, they, um, so God, in, God reveals the fact that He's a covenant God, and 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 He and He made covenants with them. Like, like every, every 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 one of the things that happened, like the Passover, was a covenant. But mm -hmm. if you'll remember, when Moses got called of God to go and get the people out of Egypt. First thing Moses said, well, but uh, he pretty much kind of said, well, I mean, I know who you are. You're the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, yeah. but who are you yeah. to me? Who, who am I going to tell them uh, sent me? He knew, he right. knew about Jehovah. He knew about the covenant names that God had made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yeah. And so, and, and, and God made covenants for a reason. 
unlike all the pagan deities, God bound himself not only to his word, but he bound himself to his word by his name. Uh In other words, if I break my word to you, if I break this agreement with you, then I have denied my own name. You know, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord God that shall see and provide. Jehovah Rophi, the Lord God who heals. You know, all of these names. And so Moses knew about all that, but he didn't know if that's who God was was going to be to him to to his generation. Mm -hmm. And so God, that's why God says, I am. You know, King James says, I am who I am. Well, in the Hebrew, that says something more like, I am who I was, I am who I am, and I am who I will be, in other words. And then he says, so go tell them (laughs) that basically I'm the unchangeable God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In other words, every one of those promises and covenants that I made with him, I am that God. And by attaching these covenants to his name, you know, there's different kinds of covenants. There are covenants that very, well, every, every covenant has, can have a variables of what's mm-hmm. being offered and what's being required. Mm-hmm. Now, when God makes a covenant by his name, because this is a covenant that, that has nothing to do with what you have to do has nothing to do with how you respond, has nothing to do with what you believe or what you don't believe. This is just who I am. And I'm making wow. a covenant that says, this is who I am. This is who I will always be. And, and, I'm, and I'm basing my name, my identity, everything about me on this. So this, you know, God doesn't become Jehovah Rophi because we pray hard enough. He is Jehovah Rophi, he the Lord is. God who heals. Correct. He doesn't yes. become our peace. He is the God of peace. And so the real question yes. is, w- will I believe who God says he is? So God gives these covenants and, and, and uh, you know, other many other covenants. And, and he says, now I am limiting myself or I am defining myself or I am revealing myself by mm-hmm. what I am offering in these covenants. And I'm telling you, what it will take on your part to participate in this. So that's kind of how the children of Israel, you know, you know, came out of this situation or came out of Egypt. And, and keep in mind the, the journey, as I always remind you, the journey from Egypt to Canaan is, is the type that we're supposed to look at to understand our journey of coming out of the world and into kingdom living. And every battle they fought, every struggle they had is representative of some personal struggle that we can face. And, and, and we can look mm-hmm. at that. We can know what's coming. We can know what we're going to face. And we can know how to win. And we know what, how to lose. And, and, and it's, all, it's all right there for us. So God introduces, based on his identity, and we'll talk about creation in a few minutes, but based on his identity and based on creation, he introduces the absolutes, but there are variables within the absolutes because of the way all things are created. And, uh, uh, and, mm-hmm. and the children of Israel, you know, in Psalm 78, 37, we've talked about this verse before, it says, 
basically it capsulizes the one and only reason that the children of Israel didn't enter the promised land, which means it is also a capsulization then of why a new covenant believer um, will probably or, or will not be able to enter into kingdom living. And it's real simple. He says, and, and within this one statement, he, he, he brings the two main points. Number one, uh-huh. he says, their hearts were not steadfast in God. And of course, as a result of not being steadfast in God, they, they were not faithful to the covenant. Yes. So we come, down to, we come down to this absolute of who God is. Yeah. We come down to some absolutes about, about creation yeah. But then comes the variable. Yes. And the variable is what I believe in my heart about God. That's the variable. That's the variable. Yeah. Because it was interesting when you said um, he introduces the absolutes, but there are variables within the absolutes. And just that very sentence sounds like a. Um, I don't know the way I had, you know, a contradiction yep. because, you know, how do you have variable within an absolute that does that even work? But it's the next layer. The absolutes don't change. They're absolutely the same. But that layer down from there is there's absolutes for how we, how we tap into that. And, you, you know, everything that you've just said, you know, the fact that the, 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 the Israelites and the Hebrews thought that the, that probability was in direct proportion to their sacrifice means that that's that master Yep. You know, uh, he's my master. He's not my father. It's Which just, is legalism. I'm just, it's legalism. It, it, it's it's just another way of saying this is this is the very very root and basis of everything yep. we believe in. Why it takes such intention to get past yep. this because that's just sort of woven into our DNA. Where if you want to get something, you're going to have to sacrifice mm. for it. You know. Now, now stop mm. and think about this. All right. <clears throat> so okay. Is God, does God ever change? Well, he introduced himself to, to ever, all through, all through creation, all through dealing with, you know, the patriarchs, Moses, the, the one, the one thing he said, there's one reason you can count on him. The, there's one reason that you don't have to get sucked into the, the downside of variables. And that is by mm-hmm. trusting the absolute. And the absolute is that he <laughs> yeah. never changes. Yeah. So let me ask you then. So then and this That's is, so this good. Would be the kind of thing, That's so this good. This would be the kind of thing I, I, okay. would, I would trick a person into if I was if okay. I was counseling with them. Great. Uh, yeah. Not to not to be tricky, but to get them to recognize <laughs> their their own yes. contradictions of belief. So I, I might say, have you ever heard that saying that, you know, that prayer uh, uh, moves the hand that moves the world? Yeah. So do you ever feel like that when you're, you know, when you're trying to believe God, you know, when you're using faith, you know, you're, 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 you're really trying to move God to do something, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, you take them down that journey and then you say, well, wait a minute, though. Wait you're minute. asking God to change. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I can remember when I was doing my undergraduate studies. And I went to, you know, my Bible college I went to, it was a great Bible college as far as learning the Bible. I am telling you, I don't know if there was anywhere in America at that time or even to this day that you could go to and leave with as good of a Bible education as you could. It was an incredible school. But, but there, that doesn't mean they really understood the New Covenant. They didn't know anything about faith. 
Uh, you know, there were so many things they didn't know, but you learned the Bible. You got the information. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, I, I think I've told you before, you know, like in almost every class where we would study the bo- a book of the Bible, you would have to be able, part of your test would be, you have to go back and be able to, to uh, know every major event in every chapter in every book. Wow. Now, I, can't, I can't remember them all now, but but I tell you, for right. years, most of the books of the Bible, you know, you could say Acts 10. I'm like, okay, uh, yeah, okay, there, there's Paul, uh, I mean, Peter going wow. to Cornelius' house or, you know, Acts 4, wow. or, you know what I mean, or whatever. Yeah. And I can't yeah. do it now because wow. it's been so many years. So so got a great Bible knowledge, but, but, but I can remember, it wasn't, well, I say a struggle. Struggle's not the right word. It was a contemplation. I, you know, I was facing some incredible challenges. And so, you know, so, so I can remember I was communing with God. And and so, you know, I started kind of thinking about some of the things I'd been taught about prayer and faith. And, and I remember th- kind of thinking, well, wait a minute. If if this is God's will, if this is things happening, it's something that mm-hmm. God has allowed or God has chosen. And, mm-hmm. you know, and if, and if he teaches me through hardship, which I didn't realize at the time was contrary to the name Jehovah Shalom, the Lord God, my peace, contrary to the name Jehovah Roha, the Lord, my shepherd, who leads me in all these good places. You know, I didn't realize that at the time. But but I started kind of having this feeling, but like, well, wait a minute. So if God put me here, then number one, why would I be trying to talk him into getting me out of here? <laughs> and then, then number two, how am I ever going to have enough faith to change God's mind about something he said needed to happen? And so I started realizing all of these. You start to have some holy contradictions. All of these ridiculous <laughs> contradictions. Yeah. And so, honestly, I don't know if people have ever taken the time to define it, but I think most people think that prayer is trying to talk God into something he don't want to do. Wow. Now, faith is trying to get God, is trying to, is trying to force God to respond to you mm-hmm. rather than the way you respond to him. Mm-hmm. And, and I find that a lot of times it's, it's almost like they're just trying to figure out God. Yeah. <clears throat> so, so is this it? Yep. You know, and, and they'll throw this one yep. up. Well, I'm not getting much of a response. That may not be it. That's true. Bob. And then they'll throw something else at him. It, God, is this it? And well, does it help know. if I fast? Would that yeah. be better? You know, and they're just trying to get a response yep. You know, an emotion, a feeling, a thought, something, and then they'll follow that urge, believing that must be God. But isn't it so sad because the fact that you're having to talk God into something and forcing him to do something just completely defames his very heart and character and nature of who he is. And that's so sad. You know, that, that because that that very action that we're tr- having to do something or force something or just somehow convince God to do it for me. I know yeah. you've done it for everyone else, but when are you going to do it for yeah. me? And, and you all know, that bay, and it turns into that begging. All of that is, is so remember, the, the theme of the book of Exodus is be holy because I'm holy. Well, unfortunately... Right. You know, Pentecostalism turned that into legalism, legalistic perfection. You know, the word holy mm-hmm. basically means don't be common. Mm-hmm. Don't, mm-hmm. And he said, I am not like all the other gods. I am mm-hmm. uncommon among anything you believe about God. Mm-hmm. So, I, and I want you to be like me. Who I want you to be in the world 
is, is going to be a, a going to be a representation of who I am. I want you to not steal. You know, I don't want you to not yeah. lie. I want you to keep your word. I want you to, you know, mm-hmm. be fair and be just. And all these things. Well, yeah. why did God get, give all of those commandments to earn righteousness? No. He gave all those commandments to say, if, if you want to be like me, I'm explaining to you who I am and how I will always relate to you. And by the way, based on the law of the seed, since in our heart we always reap what we sow, the truth is I can't believe in God being good and fair and just, if I'm not good and fair and just. Okay. Because this is, this is very interesting to me because back to that prayer thing, like talking God into something and and why aren't you going to do it for like, if you've done it for this person, this person, I believe you, God, I have faith that you are who you are, but when are you going to do this for me? Because I don't see the fruit of this in my life. And then if you're not doing it for me, then I immediately go into what am I doing wrong? Mm -hmm. And Maybe I'm not good enough, or maybe I have sin, and and it just brings this ex- nope. such sad um, confusion into people's hearts and self condemnation. And I've just seen it so many times right. over and over again. And it's it literally is just as sad. It's, it's, it's a self deception to say I have faith. Why isn't this happening? That's a self. That's a that's a total <laughs> self deception. Uh, but you've heard people say oh, absolutely. it. Absolutely. And, you know, and, and that's where people get down to. God, I'm doing my part. I don't know where you are. You know, that's I'm right. more faithful than you. I'm more righteous than you are because <laughs> I'm believing and you're not here. It's sort of like the Pentecostals doctrine of tarrying. You know, it's like they're going to go tarry at the altar for the Holy Ghost. And really what that, <laughs> really what that is, I'm here, God. I don't know where you are. Or oh, that whole that whole idea of God gosh. waits till the last moment before He delivers you from a difficult situation. It's like I'm here, I'm suffering, I'm paying the price, oh, God. Where my are gosh. you? <gasps> now, when you when oh. when you go back to this thing in in um, Psalms, and you know Psalm seventy eight. I mean, if you want to get insight into that journey from from Egypt to to Canaan. Read Psalm 78. I mean, it, it goes into just detail after detail after detail. But when he, when he talks about, and remember, the Apostle Paul talked about this in 1 Corinthians 10. He, he tells us that we should be looking at what happened, you know, with Israel as our type, as our model. He says every bit of that, not only did it happen, but it was recorded for our benefit. And Paul Mm. says that explicitly. But also the first four chapters of Hebrews are all about that journey. And, you know, Hebrews says Mm -hmm. there's really only one reason they didn't enter in, unbelief. Yeah. That's it. Now. One reason. You go back to Psalm Psalm 78, verse 37, and it says, it, it, it breaks this down into two things. It says, their heart was not steadfast in him. Therefore, you know, they were not faithful to the covenant. So. Everything, everything about faith comes back to what do I believe about God? Do mm-hmm. I believe he is who he said he is? So, so if we want to move, if we want to remove the variables and we'll, we'll get into more about variables and how this works kind of out here in this realm of the universe. But, yeah. but the thing is, we cannot deliver ourselves from variables if we have an ever changing concept of God. Mm-hmm. We we have to see God as unchangeable, and then we then we have to see Him as unchangeable, based on how He defines Himself. 
And then I believe that we have to personally and practically find yep. out for ourselves, customized, how to establish our heart and persuade yep. our heart in a way that works with our cre- created makeup. Like who God created me to be is different than you, different than Jim, different than Bob. Okay. So I have, my discovery then is I am going to establish my heart in the absolute belief of who God is. And I'm going to search out and find out for me how that's going to get established without a doubt, because I am persuaded probably in different practical ways than you guys are or whatever. That word steadfast, one of the meanings of that word steadfast is established. I always talk about establish your heart. It means to to establish, to persuade, you know, to come to a place of trust. And haven't you found out, Jim, that that's different for every person on the procedure of that? Like, I find that it's different for every person how yeah. they, I mean, it's all based on, on the same promise, and the same God, the same nature, but how you actually do that in a practical way becomes yours. Well, the, the tools are the same for everybody. Yes, Prayer, that's it. How the you word, use, yeah. meditation, all yeah. the, the tools yeah. are the same, but yeah. everybody's going to use those tools differently because it's a relationship. Yeah. That's right. And so, okay. and so you can... So, so the covenant. Remember, the covenant's a contract, and uh, you know our co- the 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 unfortunately the the religious New Testament version of modern Christianity. You know, you know we have this thing. We know that Jesus is called the Advocate in the Greek. Yeah. And so you know you'll hear people talk about how well the Jesus is in heaven when your case is being tried, and it's like, are are you right. kidding me? The case has already been tried. Jesus already died. Your sins have already been paid for. He's already been raised from the. There is no case being tried about any of that in heaven. That that, that is just right. absolutely, absolutely bizarre. And so it's like it's, you know, and I've heard people say, so Jesus is up here. He's trying to talk God into answering his prayer for you. Oh my gosh. So sad. So uh Jesus established a covenant, mm. and in that covenant, there are absolute promises and provisions and terms. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's nothing unclear about it. The only thing that ever makes it unclear is the fact that is the fact that we never want to give up our religious opinions and just accept simply what the Bible says. So when you make a contract with somebody, you know, Contracts, like covenants, are made from good faith. Mm-hmm. So if you make a contract with a person and you go into it with good faith and that person turns out to be dishonest, then you have to then go through a legal process to force them to do what they said they were going to do. Well, that's, that's true. That's, that's right. really what we're kind of saying to God. Interesting. It's like, I'm going to sue you in the name of Jesus. I'm going to right. file a lawsuit against you, and I'm going to force you to uphold your, your end of the covenant because the real truth is oh, you are not honest wow. enough. You're not reliable enough. You are not faithful enough that you'll just do this because it's who you are. To do what you said. To that, do what you said. That's yep. really... When you get down to how people are, have you e- have you ever said it in that way before? Because that I've never heard that in that way before. I don't know. <laughs> you know that the contracts are yeah. made with good faith. That person is dishonest. So what we're saying is that God, who yeah. made this 
covenant contract with me is dishonest because I don't see that what he said is happening because I didn't get that check in the mail or that did not, I did not get healed. So now I'm going to go through the legal process of telling God, wait a minute, you said this and this and this, and I'm forcing you to do what you said. And and, and we turn it into a a, a legal suing thing. You know, this, this is what Paul was talking about when he said, let, let God be true and every man a liar. You know, ever view an opinion that we have of God that's not based on, you know, what Jesus showed us and, and, and what his word and what his name reveals? Ever view an opinion that is contrary to that is to say God is not faithful. God's a liar. God is really not who he, who he reveals himself to be. Right, right. So, so... We cannot trust a contract with anybody any more than we know and trust the person we made the contract the with. The person. Yes, you're right. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a guy here in town. You guys heard me talk about him a lot. I've, man, I've done millions of dollars worth of business with this guy. And uh, <clears throat> uh, uh, I really went to him very specifically and started doing business with him back in the early 80s because the Lord spoke to my heart to go to this guy. Right. And, uh, yes, I remember and him. So you know, uh, he he loaned me the money to 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 and held the mortgage on our property. I mean, we you know we've done all kinds of business with this guy. You know, when I was flipping houses as you know as a business, he was my go to source for funding. And I tell you, I can't. I had so many people that would say, "Man, I can't believe you're doing business with him." You know, man, he's in the mob, and man, if you don't pay him, you know, he'll send his guys out and I'll break your kneecaps, and I mean, all this kind of stuff. <laughs> And the honest truth is he was the easiest guy to do business with ever did, I've ever done business with. And, uh, you know, his word was his bond. He would always do what he said he was going to do. And if you ever got in a situation where you had trouble with your part, as long as you picked up the phone and called him and said, hey, listen, you know, I, you know, I, need, I need a little leeway here. I need some flexibility. As long as you communicate with him, he always worked with you because he always wanted good business. <clears throat> and, you know, I used to think so many times, I'd see these people struggling because they couldn't get banks to put together these creative deals for them. I'd see churches couldn't get finances. And I would think, you know, if you didn't believe a lie about this guy, you couldn't get financing from him for your church. But <laughs> but you don't know him, and what you trust or mistrust about him wow, is based yes. on rumor. Right. Well, that's exactly how we are with God. You're, so you're, missing, you're kind of missing out here because... If you knew, yeah. if you be, if you trusted him, you'd get what I get. Exactly. And that's the way we are with God. You know, God says this yes. is who I am. But the question is, do we get intimately involved with him enough and make this journey? And, you know, and it starts out, uh, it starts out just little things. You know, we start trusting God for little things when we first get saved, if we're, you know, when we're making this journey. And, and, you know, we just, most of the things we're trusting for are internal, you know, because when you first get saved, you're just trying to, you want to, you know, you want to live a better quality of life. You want to be a better person. And so you're trusting him to, internally, but you start hearing from him and slowly you start rec- recognizing his voice and you start going, well, wait a minute, golly, every time God shows me something, it works out that way. And so through experience, which is what the word knowing is, when it talks about knowing the Lord, through experience, you come to the place where he goes like, I don't even have to wonder. I don't even have to hmm. pray. You know, remember when Jesus, yeah. when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, he said, I'm really not praying this prayer because I need to. I'm praying this prayer for the people here that are watching. 
to show them, you know, that this is you. Yeah. You know, when Jesus was laying in the boat, and we've talked about this this miracle so many times, you know, where, man, the disciples are panicking. They're freaking out. We're going to die. Oh, my God. Wake Jesus up. Let's wake him up and get him to pray and see if it's the will of God for us to, to, to get out of this. Alive. Jesus didn't get up and pray and, and ask if it was the will of God. He just got up and said, in the, in the Aramaic, he said, surrender the will of God. In the Greek, you know, it says, he said, peace be still, which, you know, I can see the same thing. But the point is, he didn't have to pray about it. Jesus never prayed about it before he healed anybody or cast out a demon or worked a miracle other than, other than the fish and the bread. In that situation, he was recovering sight. He had to get his heart back to where he was able to, able to move in that direction. But, you know, we got to go pray about everything because we don't know God for ourselves. Therefore, we don't mm. know the promises of the covenant. And we don't even know if, if, if we knew him, do we even believe he'd keep them? Mm-hmm. We're, we're looking at all the different variables and we're considering you know, the possibilities of each one. And, it, and, it's, and because we don't know him, we're, we're looking... It's almost like the lottery. Yep. Am I going to win the lottery yep. this time or not? And so it's so prayer becomes that motion that I engage with, trying to discover, you know, figure out. And this entire series that we've been working through, you know, has been coming to this place yeah. of of taking, you know, what's possible. And really bringing it yep. into one probability. Yep. You know, in, in, in quantum physics, and remember, on the basis of microcosm, macrocosm, you know, there is no contradictions within God. There are no contradictions within all of creation. In other words, everything works by the same laws, by the same principles. And if you ever figure out one one part of it, you got it all figured out. And yeah. so, and so when God created, you know, the what we call the universe. Uh, we talked about this before. How that all at, at a subatomic, at atomic or subatomic mm-hmm. level, at the invisible level, everything that would ever be needed to create mm-hmm. anything or bring anything to pass was infused into what we call this the subatomic world. Right. So based on that, that means that all probabilities, all outcomes exist potentially. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And so, you know, uh, all of them, all of the matter was there for God to make a tree look like a tree, or he could have made a tree look like a car, you know, you know, whatever he chose, whatever hmm. he chose in his heart. But the point is right. he wasn't going to have to bring something new into existence because because everything exists. The, the, the possibility for all things exists. And thus, in the last several weeks, as we've been on this subject, I've understood that to a much deeper level, the difference between creating something and then making something about from something yep. that's already there. Mm-hmm. You know, that has become much more clear. And I've been thinking about that a lot more. Yep. Because, yes, we are creating from... We are creating something out of some materials, yep. but those materials were already there. Exactly. 
So, you know, since God does all things the same way, and since we're created the likeness uh-huh. in the image of God, then on the miraculous plane, if you will, yeah. then when you're facing any situation, when I'm facing a situation, the, the possibility or the potential for all outcomes exist. You know, mm-hmm. with all this stuff that's been going on with the coronavirus, all this kind of stuff, you know, everybody's, because of, you know, me writing the book on on uh, the apocalypse, you know, everybody's contacted me, you know, you know where are we? What, what's going to happen? Yeah. How, you know, have we already entered into tribulation or when the great... And, you know, I, I, I try as nicely as I can to say, you know what, really, it doesn't even matter what I think about any of that because what I think about it doesn't change what it is. I said, but here, here, here is the real question we should be asking. What can we do about this? You know, we've right. read the end of the book. We know how this is going to end. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> we can slow the progression. We can determine yeah. if it happens in this generation or if it happens in the next generation. Just like the children of Israel. That, you know, they made a determination that that generation would not go in the promised land. They made that decision. God didn't make that decision. You know, a lot of people say, well, why, why did God send why did God send the children of Israel back into the wilderness? Well, if they chose not to go in the promised land, there was nowhere else. For, he didn't send them. They, they chose to go there. He didn't, he didn't make that choice. Mm-hmm. It's just like all these, all these goofy grace people, you know, fake grace, not real grace. You know, you know, real grace is in the Bible. But the fake grace people, they're like, I can't believe a loving God would send somebody to hell. Well, wait a minute. God's not sending anybody to hell. People mm-hmm. are choosing to not want to Live in righteousness. They're choosing. I'm not talking about living in righteousness and earning heaven. I'm talking. They don't want to be where righteousness prevails. They don't. Uh, you, you know, when Jesus establishes his kingdom, and contrary to you know the religious model is Jesus going to come back and he's going to send everybody to heaven or hell. No, Jesus is going to come back and establish the kingdom. We're going to have a thousand years to look, to see what righteousness looks like. But there's going to be a whole bunch of people at the end of that thousand years. So you know what? Even though this is fair and just and, everybody, and, and everything is as it should be, we don't want that. We want the power. So people make choices, and heaven couldn't be heaven if people who want to lie, steal, cheat, and kill were there. It, it, just, it wouldn't be heaven. So everybody makes their own choices. So to so the children of Israel, they, they, they made their choice. But the potential, the possibility for that generation that came out of Egypt, the possibility for them to go into the promised land 11 days after leaving Sinai, that, was, that could have happened. Yes. And that's why I tell people, where we are, I said, the real question is this, is it an inevitable what's going to happen next? No. That's all based on what we, the church, do, how we respond to this, whether or not we a stand up is who we are in Jesus, and we use our authority, and we pray, and and in the biblical way of praying, not in the unscriptural, goofy way of praying. And so, so in every situation, every outcome potentially exists as a possibility. So I can lose, I can win, I can get healed, I can die, I can get, I I can get a little better. I can get a little worse. You know what I mean? All, all of these outcomes are, are there. I can I can lose all the money I've got. I can make, I mean, just it's all there. The economy can, is the economy going to change? Yeah, the economy is going to change. Yeah. But, but what are you going to well, do? What are you going to do? Right. What's, right. And, and so in, in quantum physics, there is this thing called collapsing 
uh, the possibilities into really one probability. Interesting choice of words, collapsing all the possibilities into Into one one probability. probability. And so we do that in our heart. I mean, Hmm. you know, how many times, well, we know, we know nearly every time Jesus worked a miracle, we know that it was based on that person's faith. I mean, he had to have faith to minister to him, but it wasn't his faith that got them the miracle. It was their faith. Mm-hmm. And it explicitly states that something like 14 out of 17 times or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, so when th- this means that they collapsed the probability into one outcome based on the beliefs of their heart. Hmm. How did they do this when they didn't even know Jesus? Like we talk about persuading our heart and establishing our heart in the character mm. and the nature of God. But these people might have not even known him. Or well, here, there, there's a lot of factors there that are really... I mean, when you answer that question, you start realizing, why did Jesus take about you know less than three years to raise up 11 people that changed the whole world and we'll spend yeah. the whole we'll spend an entire lifetime ministering to thousands of people that are going to backslide and give up on God if their dog <laughs> dies. <laughs> I mean really, it's like what yeah, I know, why? I know. Well, it's real simple. Number 1, they already knew the scriptures. Okay. And and and, and when the scriptures, I'm talking about what we call the Old Testament and they didn't know them right. from the goofy translations that we have. Right. Uh oh. <laughs> Your yeah. dog's alive. He said, "I'm not dead. I'm not dead. I'm alive. I'm alive." Uh, no. <laughs> he, 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 somebody's coming in. Do you need to go? No, no, no. no. It's just okay. the summer coming in. But anyhow. Okay. Um. So where were we now? Before. Yeah, we were talking about the guy, the miracles that happened. They said, "Well, they knew the scriptures. Those oh. people that we had the belief. So yeah, number one, based on they knew faith. the scriptures. You know, and and, yeah. and they, uh, uh. Even though they had been they had been really messed up by religion, they still knew who God was historically. Yeah. So so they had that going for them. Then secondly, and this is so crucial, and, I, and in my new book that I'm going to be coming out with, I talk about this. Uh, Jesus ministered to people in a way, and he was the he is the master at this in a way that caused them to have to engage their heart. Wow, I wish, oh, that's my, that is my dream goal, to minister to people that causes people no. to actually deal with their heart. Jesus ministered to people, you know, my, my, my book that I'll be coming out with is Leadership That Builds People, Volume 2, and it's, and it's going to be talking about, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, influencing a, a leader who can influence people's hearts. And, well, the, mm-hmm. you know, well, the real truth is nobody can really directly influence anybody else's heart. Right. We, but we can minister to people in such a way that facilitates that person's process. Them doing where, it. Yes. Where they yes. influence their own hearts. Right. So, yes. you know, I, I, when I was in Bible school, they used to always quote this scripture. Line, we're going we're to give you the word of God line upon line, precept upon precept. <laughs> and and you know, I used to think, man, that, yeah, you know, that's, what, that's what we need. But you go look at that and take it in context, and it says that's the reason these people fall down and stumble. Because they got the word line upon line, precept upon precept. 
So Jesus didn't show up and say, now let me just let, let me just run the information by you again. Right. Uh, he talked in concepts that co- and, and he used concepts that they were familiar with. And really in their heart, they had they had start ask, they started asking questions. You know, what does this mean? Uh, in light of this, are we talking about that? You, you know, you know what I mean. So they had to do these eternal internal equations. As a matter of fact, to show you something really interesting, this is just kind of one of these things that's exploded in my in my consciousness as I've been writing these books about the kingdom. Yeah. In the parable of the seed, uh, it, and it talks about you know how, how, how all these different ways that people lose the seed. You know. Yeah. And people think that's the point of the parable. No, the point of the parable is. Aren't you got all these ways to lose the seed, but here's the one way that you get the seed to grow. Now, what's interesting is Jesus talked about uh, the word of the kingdom. When anybody hears the word of the kingdom, now I got to tell you, for you know, for almost fifty years, I've just skated over that sentence, and I knew that I knew I knew to look at it and go, okay. We're talking about the kingdom here. We're not just talking about preaching in general. I mean, this applies to any word that, that you hear, but we're talking about the kingdom. But, you know, I, I suddenly had this thing. I go, wait a minute. Is that the Greek word rhema? Or is that the Greek word logos? Mm. Now, the word of faith movement came of this. I have no idea where they got this. But they came up with this concept that the Greek word rhema is a personal word from God. And the, the Logos is the written word. And uh, so when I, was in, when I first was doing serious language studies in Bible college, I discovered that, that rhema was usually not the word that God spoke to somebody, but it was, it was the words that a preacher spoke to somebody. Interesting. And then when I started understanding, Logos has nothing to do with whether or not the word's written or not. Lagos, Lagos <laughs> has to do with the wisdom, the logic, you know, all the, ah. the wholeness of all of God's mm-hmm. counsel and how all that fits together. And so when you start talking about the kingdom, you have to move beyond line upon line, precept upon precept, and you have to move in. What is the logic of the kingdom? What is the wisdom of the kingdom? And, you know, all of Jesus' parables, he didn't say do this and it's right and do this and it's wrong. I mean, you obviously saw what was right and wrong, you know, like like, like somebody who gets their their debts forgiven and then they go out and and won't forgive other people's debts. Well, you know, if if you just take that at the rhema, the the words that are spoken, you turn that into a legalistic thing. Okay, if I don't go forgive people's, you know, you know, if if I get forgiven and I don't forgive other people, and God won't forgive me, you know, but but when you say, well, wait a minute, what is the logic here? What is the wisdom here? Well, the wisdom mm-hmm. gets into, I need to have a heart that forgives. I need to realize that that if, you know that uh, I I want to give what I'm receiving. You know, it just gets into more than just line upon line, precept upon precept. So. These people, they knew the Word of God, and, and you can't tell this in the English, but, man, Jesus so rattled their false interpretations of the Word of God. Mm. There is, Jesus never says anything that is not clearly already defined 
in the Old Testament scripture. It's just the way it's mm. written in the English that we don't we don't make this connection. He took it and brought it into that you're going to have to deal yep. with your own heart. If you truly listen to his words, now you have something to digest and process because that is not what I thought it was yep. saying. <laughs> now this is getting personal. Now I have some choices to yep. make with my own inner yep. life of how I'm going to how I'm going to deal and with so, this. So yeah, and you and I were talking about this earlier. So Jesus facilitated people coming to their own conclusions. Right. He d- right. he did not say this is what you have to do if you want to get healed. That's really not, I, I wasn't what he, uh, he ministered to them in, in ways that, that many times facilitated them dealing with some issue of their heart. Mm-hmm. Or he would minister mm-hmm. to them in a way uh, that, that made sense to them in the, in the situation that they were in. You know, I used to always, I, I, I don't know how many times I would just read this and just put myself in this position. You know, when he would come up to a cripple, and, and, you know, he's like, so, so what do you want me to do for you? Well, you know, I want you to heal me. He's like, okay, get up and walk. Man, I've thought about this a million times, I bet. Anyway, so you're sitting there thinking, you know, now here's how we would look at it. We would look at it intellectually, if we were looking at it from the rhema point of view, from just the words that are spoken. It'd be like, mm-hmm. well, when you heal me, I will walk. Or if you'll heal me, I mm-hmm. will walk. Mm-hmm. And Jesus said, "No, just just get up and walk." Now we would all lay there and wait for some confirmation of it being God's will, you know, some outside sign, you know, you know, who knows? But we would not collapse all of the possibilities down to one probability. And. For whatever reason, whatever they knew about Jesus, and there were things that they did know about Jesus. You know, one of the things that we haven't been taught, we won't have time to go into it today, but, but you know, the Pharisees had this concept, I believe, of four miracles that only the, uh, only the Messiah himself would be able to perform. And Jesus performed all four of those miracles, and that really had a lot to do with why they decided to kill him. Because, because he had taken their doctrine, which wasn't in the Bible, but it was their doctrine, their philosophies, and based mm-hmm. on what they had been telling all the people. Like one of the miracles was uh, to, to a person born blind, to heal a person born blind. Only mm-hmm. the Messiah would be able to do that kind of miracle. One of the miracles was to raise a person from the dead that had been dead three days. He did mm-hmm. that with Lazarus. I don't even remember what the other two were, but he performed all the messianic miracles. So, so people heard about this stuff. You know, the the, the yeah. word was out there, so they had hope. Then now this is getting too close, too dangerous, yeah. too wild. Now we got to kill him. So, yeah. th- so this guy, this cripple guy, is laying there, and you know who knows what he'd heard about Jesus. I mean, we don't know, but we do know he knew the scripture because they did learn the scripture, uh, you know, growing up. But we know this. If that guy believed he was who he said he was, and that, this is key, remember, you've got to know the person that you're trusting before you're going to trust the covenant or the commitment that they make to you. And so if that guy is laying there and, and, and the Messiah says, get up and walk, then the assumption is, I can obviously do that. And he just got him walked. <laughs> he didn't like it, it was not a get me healed and I'll walk you know in the Hebrew and I've shared this with you guys before how that the word life in the Hebrew is nearly as I can understand it 
it doesn't present the idea of I come to get understanding and knowledge, and then as a result of that, it consummates in me experiencing the life of God, you know, through a healing or a miracle. Actually, it's just the opposite. It seems to present the idea that I experience life, then I understand what happened. And up until that point in time, all I've got is theory. All I've got is some right. some, some kind of religious doctrine. Mm-hmm. And so he, <clears throat> these people didn't wait to get some big old line upon line, precept upon precept, religious doctrine. There were all these possibilities. I can lay out here in the street and die. I'll be a beggar all of my life. Uh, you know, whatever, whatever. All these, but when they heard the word of God, they zeroed in that in their heart and and chose it as the reality that they were going that they were going to relate to and when that happened based on how quantum physics works all of the other probabilities collapsed or all the possibilities collapsed into one probability probability is you're going to get it more Wow, that is so cool. Got it. Got it, got it, got it. I'm, my mind is spinning, Mr. Jim. I uh, know, my mind is spinning. It really no. is. And so encouraging. And uh, I, it's very, very encouraging. Yeah. And, of course, it, you know, I, I keep thinking all these different scenarios because that's I know, me. that's what, yeah. You know, I, mm-hmm. I go to all these possibilities, possibilities, you know, it, it, within my mind. And one of the thoughts that I had was, what about the centurion that comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, just speak the word. I recognize you're a man who's under authority. And so I'm, I'm wondering here, you know, for many people, they're like, they're trying to find the authority or the power to get a possibility into a probability. You know, Jesus, I need you to speak the word. You know, I need, you see, and that's where they're looking for that, you know, so-called rhema word to come, you know. And so they're looking, you know, are you, is is this permissible? You know, is this allowed now? Is the is there the authority for this to happen? You know, I'm 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 hearing yeah. you know, these these scenarios rattling in people's minds of of trying again to move God to get something done and in their again, life. If you don't know the terms and the provisions of the covenant, mm-hmm. then everything that you're doing is a guess, a hope, a maybe. And, and so uh, uh, then you would be, instead of getting up and just saying to that storm, peace be still, what would happen is while you were praying and seeking God, you'd drown. Mm-hmm. And that's that's really what happens most people. I'm yeah. I'm over because keep in mind, in in the Greek, you know, man, I, I love look. You know the Greek words and the Hebrew words don't are in conflict. They just give greater dimensions. Mm-hmm. And uh, when in the Greek, the Hebrew the Greek word for covenant gets into the concept of a of like a last will and testament. And so in the New Testament, when it talks about the will of God, as often as not, it's not talking about, okay, now is God willing to do this? God not willing? It's talking, 
It's talking about the last will and testament. It's in the covenant. It's written in the covenant. Yes. And so, it, but if but if I don't know the covenant, and I, you know, and you know this, and our listeners probably know this, but how many people outside of our circle have you ever met that even knew what the new covenant was called? I mean, how many people have you ever met that knew it was called the covenant of peace? And that based mm-hmm. on that, it was we were supposed to preach a gospel of peace. Mm-hmm. And 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 you know how, how many people knew? How many people even know that that covenant was made with Jesus, and that's why it's absolute. That's why that, that's why it never varies, is because it was made between God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, and He's the same yesterday and day forever. Because God's the same yesterday and day and forever. He's always the perfect representation. It's it's unchangeable. It's immovable. But who believes that in this modern pop theology? Uh, that is mm-hmm. destroying the church today. Yeah, I really see that. I yeah. I had never heard um, just to, just to just kind of go through some of the things that are just in my heart right now, but just that logos meet has to do with wisdom and counsel of and sort of like the logic of the kingdom. I hadn't ever put those yep. two words together that the logic was the logos, and that the logic, the wisdom, and the counsel, and it almost seems like it's it's always been so much the written word, but it's really the way of the, the ways of wisdom and the ways of counsel that brings us into that new covenant of peace and that gospel of peace. So my personal challenge today is uh, for the lame guy, he just got up and walked and he said, I obviously can do that because I know the person I'm trusting. So what the question for myself is, where am I going to just get up and walk? Because I can obviously do that because I know the person I'm trusting. Well, you stop and think if I, so remember the word of the kingdom, the logos of the kingdom. If I know the way of the kingdom yeah, and I know, and remember the, the way of the kingdom is that all things work by the law of the seed. Yes. And the law of the seed, you are, you are, you will plant the seed. And the seed isn't just the word, it's the motive, it's, it's the intention, it's, it's that mm-hmm. logic behind it. It's, it's bigger than just words. Yeah. And so the more we interact with God, the more his written word, and really the written word in the Hebrew is represented in the Hebrew letter mem. And it's the open mem, which is the revealed knowledge of God. And so I have the revealed knowledge of God, but the logos of God, the the way this process works, that that type of wisdom comes first and foremost by looking at Jesus. How did he do it? Mm-hmm. And not to, and see, people will look at Jesus, how did he do it? They'll do it formulaic. In other words, what what's the formula here of what Jesus did? Like, let's see the task. But they don't yeah. look at okay. What, what was the logic behind him doing it that way? Why, you know, you know, why did Jesus? Why didn't he pray and ask God about healing anybody? You know, I, I, you know, and I, you know, you guys know I've done crusades, used to do crusades in various countries, and so man, I, I've seen every miracle in the world. I, you know, I, I have walked up to my share of cripples, grabbed them by the hand, snatched them up, and said, "Walk," and based on what they had already seen and heard and experienced in those crusades, they just said, okay, then this is the way this works. And, you know, they already heard the truth about what Jesus did for them at the cross. This is the way this works. They just jump up and walk. And, and, you know, I grab a blind person and say, all right, see. 
you know, you're saying to the blind person, see, you know, now a person, Mm. you know, a person that doesn't have the logos is going to sit there and go, oh no, it doesn't work that way. You've got to say a prayer. And at the end of it, you got to say in the name of Jesus, and you got to lay hands on me and you got to anoint me with, in other words, that's line upon line, precept upon precept. Any of those things could happen and they're all right. But that person that's figured it out and they don't even know how they figured it out. You know, it just, they just, and that's the thing about the heart, man, you get something real in your heart and you can't even really you can't even really fully explain it. Yeah, there's hardly you even just, enough You words. just have the sense of this is what to do. Yeah. Bam. And suddenly yeah. you you do it. You know, uh, uh, some, some, uh, I've had several people, I kind of had this conversation with several people. They said, like somebody called me the other day and said, they said, they said, well, so, so-and-so called me wanting to know, you know how, how you were making it through all this crisis. And, and he said, I told him it wasn't no crisis for you because, because you did the things to be ready for this years ago before any of us ever thought about it. And, uh, and I did. Now, but here's the deal. I always tell people this. People think I'm a lot smarter than I am. I'm not really a lot smart, and I don't really figure all this stuff out. I just know when I'm hearing the voice of God and I know mm-hmm. that I can trust God. Now, mm-hmm. when God was leading me to prepare for this, I knew another, you know, 2008, I, I warned people two years in advance. That's when I wrote my book, Wire for Success. I kept warning people, a financial collapse is coming. You better get your stuff in gear. I don't know how many churches went under in 2008. And I don't know how many people lost their retirement and their fortunes. And I kept telling people, it's coming. I'm, I don't know how soon, but I just know it's coming. And I wrote Wire for Success so that people would know how to navigate in, in these kinds of times. Well, I, I had that sense about it again. It's coming. I don't know when it's coming. Don't know what's coming. I know that mm-hmm. I know we're going to keep having financial collapse after financial collapse mm-hmm. until the economy collapses as a whole, and then then the whole world system will change at that point. In time. Right, right, right. But whenever when I was working to get out of debt, and you know we had reduced our debt from about, about I don't know about three million. And uh, maybe three and a half million, and we'd gotten down to where we're about nine hundred thousand dollars. And I had a piece of property that, that in a in a good market should should sell for like a one and a half million dollars, and I should have been able to pay that off and walk away with it. And and so uh, <clears throat> one day, one day the Lord just spoke to me to sell this to somebody that offered me half of what it was worth. In other words. I, in other words well, I, actually, uh, half of what it's worth in a quick sale. In a quick sale, it would have been worth about almost a million. Uh, you know, in a good retail sale, it would have been worth about a million and a half. And and so this person had offered me four hundred thousand dollars, I believe it was, or four hundred fifty thousand. Mm. Can't remember now. And mm. uh, and you know that was that was would have been just the stupidest business deal in the world to accept. And. Yeah. Uh, and so when the guy made me the offer, I went and prayed about it, and, and and the Lord, and I just had this sense. I didn't have the details. I had no. this sense that if I made this move and people saw that we had reduced our debt by another half million dollars, that people people would raise up and help us pay off the rest of it. As I, all I knew, as I had the logic of it, I had the sense of it. I, there wasn't any mm-hmm. way to calculate this out. Now you got to keep in mind, I've been doing this for almost half a century, so it's not like it's not like I'm some high eye that jumps off and says, "Woohoo!" I feel like it's going to happen. You know, I mean, I, you know, you, you got to re- you got to know and recognize the voice of God. So I said, all right, I, "I said I'll put the deal together under one condition: you you carry the note on the balance that I still owe at X." 
you know, at an X interest rate. So we came to a deal. So the, this person bought this property that we had uh, over on the other side of town and then financed the balance that, that we owed, which was right around a half million dollars or $450,000 and, um, and gave me a decent interest rate. And, uh, uh, in less than six months, we were debt free. Now it was the worst financial decision you could have made if you were going by the by the hard Logic. facts of, of my yeah. intellect. Yeah. Right, 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 So, you know, the logos of the kingdom, we know that there's these principles in the kingdom. We know that there, mm -hmm. are, there are these values. because, mm -hmm. And that's what the mind, wisdom, the mind the of counsel. Christ. We don't mm -hmm. automatically have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ no. revealed to us. And yeah. we choose if we're going to harmonize with it. But that logic is not always going to make sense in this mm -hmm. world's social economy or financial economy mm -hmm. or whatever. Yeah. One yeah. of the decrees that I love to just speak over my heart is under the gentle and continuous gaze of his eyes, I receive deliberate counsel, deliberate counsel and kingly advice. Yep. And that's just, that's just how we live. And we follow our heart and we don't, and we, and I just, I am so thankful to hear stories like that mm -hmm. because that's encouraging for all of us, Jim. Like, I really appreciate you saying that because in fact, that might be just some kind of a encouragement specifically yeah. for someone who's feeling like, okay, in this particular season of where the world is at, I will be making decisions and choices now that are going to affect yep. my future. And so we can't get freaked out and, and try yeah. and find the, the one trick that's yep. going to you know, make me rich in 10 years that everyone's trying to find. It's like, no, 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 follow your heart and see how God will be true to his well, name and nature when, of being Jehovah Jireh. When we, remember, when you see the end from the beginning, you're not seeing how you yeah. get to that end. No, you're not controlling You're not that including right. anybody or anything. Yeah. So, you know, all I did for, for a few years was I just saw myself debt-free. I saw myself I, I I saw myself signing the papers to close the deal, but mm -hmm. I didn't I didn't decide who it was going to be with. Uh, see, we can look at that. We, we can see the infamy and we can choose that. We can do that just like God created the world. But I had no idea how any of that was going to happen. And so, you know, I want to encourage people. It's like, listen, I, I'm telling you, we will probably get a little reprieve here. But I am telling you there will be continual financial collapses until mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the economy of America and the rest of the free world collapses. And, right. and when that happens, we are on the precipice of the tribulation. We are, we are at that place yeah. where, where finally the Antichrist mm -hmm. and his armies, which already exist, can, can rise up and have the mm -hmm. capacity to, to attack all the nations of the world. So, yeah. you know, Get it in your heart to get out of debt and, and mm -hmm. then follow your heart in that. You know, don't don't go in debt for other things. Don't buy a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, use your money wisely. I'm not talking about being afraid. I'm not talking about being a, a penny pincher. I'm just saying get to the place where you have this sense, not not only of, of getting out of debt, but being a person who stays debt free. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Very good. Jim, thank you. We need to wrap yep. today's program up. And I do want to go back and I just want to reference the new series that is available that you've done, Mysteries of the New Covenant, 
And I also want to say, you know, from where we began today, and that is, you know, as as God rescues your life and mine, he wants to reveal to you and to me, to our hearts, he says, I'm a father. You know, mm. I, I don't want you to be fearful of me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He says, but I, he says, I'm not a taskmaster. Nope. I am a father. Yeah. And, and you're not a slave. You are sons and yep. daughters. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, enter into that relationship. Yes. You know, enter into that relationship. This is a gospel of peace. Mm. Yeah. So I really want to thank you guys for joining us. We love you, our listeners. Yes, we do. And we are so grateful that we have, what a wonderful future lies ahead Mm -hmm. for those who love peace. Yeah. You guys, we get to love peace together and love Jesus together. And there's no reason to fear. Yeah. None whatsoever. These are really quite exciting times that we really do live in. And to be able to know him and to know his voice and to be able to be sons and daughters of this covenant that Jesus, you know, paid such a dear price for. What a place of harmony, rest, and peace that we get to live in. And I just want to reassure you that you do hear God's voice in your heart. Just become at rest with that. I do follow the voice of God in my heart, and I know his character and nature, Mm -hmm. and I can trust in him. All right, we'll see you next time. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for your love, for your support. Yeah. And we'll be back. This has been episode number 168. Bye-bye.